We're doing villains now, I'm Dracula. Villains. Dracula. Hi, and welcome to Pass the Golden Popcorn, an MTV Movie Awards podcast, where we look at all the films and categories nominated for MTV Movie Awards in their various categories and try and figure out who really should have won. I'm Kenny Sage, a foremost movie expert. And I'm Ben Gregg, a foremost villainy expert. And, and I'm joining us today... Well, I'm Shane Cannon. You didn't ask me what... Sorry, I'm cutting you off. I listened to the podcast. I know how this is supposed to work, but you didn't ask me what sort of expert I am this time, and I forgot to tell you. All right, what kind of expert are you this time? I had a thing, but yeah, go. Just... Uh, I, I apologize. Dang it, I thought I was supposed to... Oh, fuck, I, I've screwed it all up already. Uh, dang it. No, this is... No, this is fine. Don't worry. Uh, I'm all Shane right. Cannon, uh, foremost uh, hanging by skin hooks expert. Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> See, what I was going to say was... Like, well, last time you were on, you were a science oven expert, which isn't going to fit here because there's no science ovens. Uh, but, what, yeah, so hanging my skin hooks. And what you also kind of are is an expert in over-preparation. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> Me? Today is the 2001 MTV Movie Awards Best Villain category. There were five things that Shane was required to watch. And Shane watched... Three seasons of Hannibal. Um, did you watch every other like movie in that franchise? Uh, yes, I did. I watched, uh, rewatched Manhunter, rewatched Shines of the Lambs. I w- watched Red Dragon for the first time, and I watched Hannibal Rising for the first time. That must have been fun. Um, <laughs> Most of it wasn't. The show was good. I like the rewatches Great. too. Yeah, and then, the, then you, then you watch the Cat in the Hat and Illumination Grinch, and yep. Hollow Man 2? Uh, yes, I watched Hollow Man 2. Uh, I also watched a bunch of other stuff. I watched like a few Paul Verhoeven movies because I hadn't seen any of those. I didn't want Hollow Man to be the first one. Uh, I watched River Wild for some more uh, bacon villain context. I watched uh, a whole bunch of Ridley Scott uh, because we're talking about Ridley Scott in two movies this week. So I watched, uh, what did I watch? I watched uh, Last Duel, uh, The Duelists, and Kingdom of Heaven. Uh, did I watch any, oh, I watched, uh, what's it called? Fracture, the Anthony Hopkins movie, for more Anthony right. Hopkins content. Yeah, and then you watched the other film The Cell Guy did. Uh, I watched multiple other films by The Cell Guy. I watched uh, both The Fall and Immortals. Yeah, but, uh, and you were just telling me, you're like, I didn't get to the cell too, but I realized that was unnecessary, so, which... Yeah, it's, like, it's barely so- connected, like, it opens with a narration, like, five years ago, the events of the cell happened, the FBI teams up with psychics, like, that's not the plot of the cell! Have you seen the cell? It's not about psychics. <laughs> right, yeah, so, so that's kind of the level of experience you're bringing in, into this, this is very exciting, um, 
you feel very strongly about one of the movies on the list to the point oh, where if you hadn't asked me for this episode, I was going to like offer it to you. Um, I don't know what film you could be referring to. Yeah, we're definitely not going to argue about it for an hour or whatever. Just... Two hours, three hours. Not going to happen. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, for the for the listener, I got my I after a busy semester, I finally got my third dose booster shot yesterday, and I'm currently doing this with a fever. So I'm gonna say now I reserve the right to call off the episode if it goes over three hours. Boo! <laughs> Boo! We have to we have to bring it over four hours as a technicality, so we can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> got him. <laughs> All right, oh, that, that's an insane amount of prep. Um, Is it? <laughs> that like, man, like, I don't even think I finished all of Hannibal this time for this preparation. I think I watched like the first half, and then I kind of skimmed like through to my like to the notable parts because we'd already seen it before. I, I um, truly have nothing else going on. No, and honestly, this was less painful than when you watched two seasons of Scooby Doo and Shaggy <laughs> get a clue. Uh, it is. It was considerably less painful than that because, like, at least I'm pretty sure this episode is going to get released. Unlike the podcast episode I watched those for. Right, and how many were you supposed to watch for that one? Uh, just one. This has come up, I think, a couple times with this before, but um, but yeah, no, I'm excited to have you here with all your all your knowledge. Um, so. The 2001 MTV Movie Awards were held on June 2nd, 2001, um, about three months and nine days from a memorable event in the history of the world. I don't know why I phrased it like that, but they were hosted by Jimmy Fallon and Kirsten Dunst. I don't know if they did a movie together. That seems like an odd like duo to just... Yeah, and uh, uh, Weezer played Hashpipe, which... Hashpipe is not my least favorite Weezer song, but apparently I have it. I have it surprisingly low from all my Weezer experts I've conferred with on my Weezer tier list. Yeah, it's you have a lot of stuff surprisingly low on that. Uh, Kenny didn't tell me was... there'd be Weezer discussion. If you told me, I wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> <laughs> just a light, just a light wheeze. I'm so mad. I'm sick. I need this. Um, <laughs> you tricked me. <laughs> Best new filmmaker went to Sofia Coppola. Also, Kirsten Nance is probably just there for Virgin Suicides, which Jimmy Fallon is not in. Hmm. Um, Be funny if he was. Maybe he is. I'll have to consult with some some people after, or maybe he did bring it on. I don't know. Um, but any, anyways, and then. This was the last award show attended by Aaliyah, who's going to be a big part of next week's episode before her tragic death two months later in a plane crash. Not that plane crash. <laughs> Jeez, that was a bad year. Hot take. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, um, the world hasn't been the same since, is yeah. what I've heard, because I wasn't alive <laughs> at the time. You know, I... I uh... <laughs> Weezer uh, was introduced by the cast of American Pie 2. Um, hey. George Lucas was there to present Best New Filmmaker. And Best Villain was presented by Samuel L. Jackson. Ooh. Did he... I'm trying to remember. Did he do it um, a couple years ago? I'm trying to remember. It was um, him and then, like, Little Anakin. Um, 
<laughs> oh yeah, Listed villains. Yeah, he's... yeah. He they present in 1999, which we yeah, <laughs> yeah, which we recorded last week because we we're doing this a bit out of order. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So clearly he was a hit. Um, they brought him <laughs> back. Assumingly he would just be promoting the like Star Wars Episode Two again, unless there is some other big film from that era he was in. Yeah, but they couldn't get uh, they couldn't get Jake Lloyd to come back. I guess the fame went to his head, you know. Also, he was recast. But whereas <laughs> Hayden Christensen probably out hating sand, <laughs> he doesn't like sand. Crazy that they didn't nominate <laughs> the villain of Attack of the Clones, Sand. <laughs> it's crazy that Attack of the Clones is the one prequel we don't talk about in this series, like for yeah, isn't the Star uh... Wars films. Isn't the real villain of the prequels bureaucracy? So it's true. Yes. Since I've seen them. <laughs> yeah, this will be like a kind of yeah. The, this is going to wind up being like a kind of like the real villain on Titanic was the iceberg debate, where you're like, was Hayden Christensen really that bad? I might have killed all those kids in that situation. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is the funniest scene in all of Star Wars. <laughs> and while we're on the topic of uh killing the kids in that situation uh we're there nothing terrible is going to be said on this week's episode i can make a solemn promise now getting into uh the nominees uh kenny i understand you want to give jeffrey tambor an award <laughs> look yeah well uh yeah we'll get we'll get into it um if Kevin Spacey won one of these. That doesn't help, but... <laughs> yeah, so, for... We might as well get get into it. Um, For Best Villain 2001, the nominees are... Kevin Bacon in Hollow Man. Vincent D'Onofrio in The Cell. Anthony Hopkins in Hannibal. Joaquin Phoenix in Gladiator. And the winner, Jim Carrey for How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Now, I'm going to assume that we all have... Actually, I, I don't know what your opinion on this one, being the second time, Ben. But can we at least agree on top that Jim Carrey is not the villain of this picture? Like, yeah, he, like, <laughs> he's still like sort of a villain by virtue of being the Grinch, but he's not villainous enough, I'd say. Yeah, it is. Um, oh, it's really tough. I think this is our first, like... I feel like I'm kicking myself. Is this our like our first like redeemed villain? I'm trying to think of if we had any more that were like by the end, just like because like I get like he's not super a villain in this. Like he's the main character, but he he is a he's a bit of a he's a bit of a sourpuss at the very least. Um, yeah, no, I think this is the first one in that case. Yeah, none of looking at these other villains, none of them are really. Uh, redeemed by the end of it. Oh wait, no, T Rex yeah. in Jurassic Park. Oh yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, and sure. I, I would say that, I would say that he's. It's weird because, like, I th I would still say he's like a villain, but not by the end. But like, he's definitely he's not traditional. He's he's unorthodox, truly. Um, in rewatching this, he was a bit more antagonistic than I remembered him being. But also, it is an entire film that is saying. No, you can't hate the the Grinch. The Who's were mean to him when he was a kid, and <laughs> then also has like again Jeffrey Tambor as the real villain of the picture, the materialistic mayor who is like 
really mean to children. Just, I mean, Jim Carrey's also like Jim Carrey's also not that great to like kids, but yeah. like he at least kind of respects Cindy Lou Who to an extent. Where the mayor's sure. really condescending the whole time. <laughs> yeah, this is this is truly like way more similar to the T Rex than I feel like than I feel like I, I realized. And that like yeah, like in the same way that the the Jurassic Park one really should have gone to the Raptors. Um, this one probably could have should have gone to the mayor, but in both contexts, I understand because like they're like the showstoppers of their respective movies, you know. Yeah, the mayor doesn't have a big song written about how mean he is. If I had yeah, to, exactly. if I had to pick one character in the Grinch who I'd describe as you're really the scene stealer in the Grinch, I think I'd probably have to pick uh the Grinch. <laughs> Yes, it is very much the Grinch's picture. It's why the cover of the box is like him with his big hat over the town. Um. Yeah, yeah, and like I don't know, he's definitely because um, I watched the uh, original. I watched the original Grinch earlier today, um, to, as a kind of like compare, and like I think I'm. I want to say I think I'm like the worst Doctor Seuss fan. Because um, my favorite Dr. Seuss movie is Cat in the Hat. And then this one, I think I think I love it for all the reasons that I love Cat in the Hat. Um, <laughs> like, it's just, it's like, it's chaotic. It's insane. He'll, like, talk to the camera. They'll make, like, they'll sometimes make, like, pseudo-modern-day references. I, yeah, of course. Um, it's a great film. Everything that makes it not a Seuss thing uh is what i usually love about these movies well yeah i'll i'll let you both say your piece before i go into my spiel what which is half stuff that i have openly acknowledged to both of you that only i really care about as like a person like if you ask people why most people why they dislike the grinch they'll go oh they'll go oh it looks weird he's like you know the makeup it's like there's the gross baby and then if you ask me i can go on and i will but yeah, you both like this movie. Uh, talk about that for a bit. Yeah, um, I love the gross baby so much. <laughs> it's, in, it's such a good baby. <laughs> it's such a yeah. good baby. Um, I will give the Grinch this. The set design and costuming is great. Like, yeah, and also like, the writing and the performances and the direction. And everything about it entirely. Cinematography. <laughs> I gave it one thing. Don't make me do more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think... Oh, sorry, if you have something to say. No, no, keep going. <laughs> I'm... Yeah. So, this is just a good, silly movie that looks good, has weird makeup that I like, and uh, I think you have to divorce entirely from the Seuss story, otherwise you'll end up like Kenny. M- much like Cat in the Hat, honestly. I think this movie <laughs> is at its funniest when it's really quiet. Um, same with, same with Cat in the Hat. Like, I think these are, these are, these are truly sister movies. And I would argue um, that there is one key difference between this and Cat in the Hat. And that Alec it's Baldwin, this, of course. well, yeah, that, and also that this is good and that movie is bad. See, this just makes it weirder that you don't like Cat in the Hat. <laughs> I, I could see this. I think like it's, if you could do like a spectrum, I guess, of, um, cause I feel like there are parts of cat in the hat that I feel like a majority of cat in the hat, Kenny, you don't like. Um, and there was like right. half of this movie of this Grinch movie that you do like. And then there's like half that you don't really care for. 
Um, I think the half that you don't really care for is exactly the half I like because it's like the cat in the hat one. Um, <laughs> yeah, my take on the cat in the hat is I'm into it for the first 15 minutes. It's like the set design and the setup. And then Mike Myers comes in, does a song with multiple racist caricatures, and then the shit for half an hour. And by the time it gets back into stuff that I kind of like, I'm like just so mad from like the half preceding half hour of the film. And, I, and listen, I, I don't know if you've read um, and to think I saw it on Mulberry Street, but is there nothing more susical than a little bit of racism? <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> and also all of his yeah. early political cartoons and private snafu and all that. <laughs> There's a deep well. He was a complex figure and yeah. Yeah, so my my thing, I'll go I'll go into a bit of it. Um when it comes to adaptions, and this is something we're gonna be talking about more as we move on through here when we get to Lord of the Rings next week. And then also to an extent like Planet of the Apes, like Spider Man. Pretty much anything that's based on source material, um, my opinion on it is I don't necessarily need something that's like a slavish recreation of the original. I like if I want like the original obviously exists, and I think it's fine to do stuff that deviates as long as the spirit intact is intact. What I perceive to be the spirit of the Grinch is a. It is about like it is about someone. Based off of, like, Dr. Seuss himself, a story, like, he wrote when he was, like, in his 50s and didn't really care much for, for like, was kind of feeling a Christmassy mood, and it's like, hmm, is there, like, a book about that? So it's about someone, like, who does not really like Christmas for reasons that are never really said. While, yes, sure, you can, like, attach an anti-capitalist message to that, um, if you are making that part explicit, that's going to be a bit... Harder for me to, like, swallow when, B, the majority of the Who characters are selfish and materialistic. Like, if it was just the mayor, then it, that's one thing, like... But then on the other hand, Shane and I also watched the musical version of The Grinch, which both does a whole song about how no one knows why he doesn't like Christmas, and then just says the Who's mostly just, like, not selfish, except for, like, one character, and that is much worse than this. Okay, so, Kenny, correct me if I'm wrong, but does the original story not have a line like near the end where the Grinch realizes maybe Christmas is not something that's bought from a store? Yeah, he, it is. Yeah, he kind takes of all the material. <laughs> yeah, okay. He takes yeah he takes the material things, but it's but it's not like I hate Christmas. This is too much about stuff. It's if anything, the closest is he hates Christmas because it's like noisy and everyone's cheerful yeah um, that too hmm. I, it's I a think, mix of yeah. the two yeah there is a section where he does list off a bunch of things though there is an argument there yes that is like that is that is a huge part of his opening monologue in the in the original grinch cartoon is the who's it's and what's it's and bibbs and bobbers like yeah to a degree i don't think it's like 100 percent about materialism but it's like at least like 30 percent about materialism yeah, what elevates the Grinch up to me in like the equivalents of like classic children literature is that it, it's, it's not it's obviously not like I'm not sure if parable is like the right word because, I mean I think you can use parable in a non biblical like context but it is like a story where you can kind of interpret and glean your own meaning from that and I acknowledge it is unfair to expect a full length film to just 
make something that's like ambiguous and not easy for kids to latch onto and go, ah, oh, of course, he hates Christmas because he's lonely. That's what the 2018 Grinch, which at one point I'm like, oh, I think this is, that's better because it gets like the thematic stuff. And then I'm like, no, nah, but 2018 Grinch is, yeah, I will say this is probably of the, all the modern Grinch adaptions of the last 20, 25 years, this is the best one. I will say that, like, this, I do think a lot of it is funny, and if it wasn't for, like, my, like, weird hang-ups of it being wrong, like, I did come close to going, oh, yeah, maybe I like this movie, and then when I was, like, writing out the list of my complaints, then what kind of turned me on it a bit, but it could easily become, like, a cat in the hat thing one day where I just keep watching it and wrestling with it until I'm like, <laughs> okay, I kind of like parts of this. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> no, I'm, I'm glad, like, the, the um i i'm i am very much like not attached to like the like the messages or sources of this movie um neither I am I. mainly yeah i mainly just think the grinch is like really funny um i don't it's just something about his like wacky character and like his mannerisms and it's like the weird thing is, is that I, I think like the funniest moments are like the quieter more like subtle jokes like when he's listening up to stuff and it's like all the stuff why he's like busy he's like oh dinner with myself i can't keep canceling and that. like the performance <laughs> like really sells that he has like a few really good yeah. line readings yeah and there's also like a like a bunch of really good sight gigs too like who whoville is like really really fun to look at there's like the the machine in the mailing room that like stamps like a big fragile on it but it's just like crushing all the mail yeah um it's yeah it's these i think both cat in a hat and this both have like really really good sets i think this one's probably a lot superior just because i think it has more to work with um yeah like the mountain looks great yeah <laughs> and like yeah all the all the all the especially yeah all the all the who's as well um yeah like the mail room like it's yeah, yeah. the who hairstyles yeah. so mm -hmm. kenny i've been stewing for a moment now because you said the word biblical earlier and i've been thinking about that for a moment and you know this movie uh doesn't really you know do what seuss is going for in terms of themes incredibly well but it has uh, some interesting themes of its own uh particularly uh, a certain sequence of words now comes to mind for me. Sodom, Gomorrah, Whoville. You can easily draw many allusions to the biblical story, right? I'm I'm not crazy here. This version of Whoville specifically, it's a it's truly I mean, deplorable a place, of, place. A place of excess? It's a place of yeah. excess, a place of sin. And <laughs> the I mean, it doesn't get destroyed by the end of the film, but it's sure, about it's... to. See, this is a modern version of the story where they get redemption. Is what I'm seeing it as. It's not an adaptation of the Grinch. It's an adaptation of the Bible, and that's where where you're wrong, Kenny. <laughs> that is pretty yeah. good. All right. So there's a moment in the film uh, early. Well, not early on, but, like, where it's going through the Grinch's past. So, we see Baby Grinch, then we get the Kid Grinch, and the Kid Grinch is giving a great performance, but then we get to sort of, like, the traumatic moment that made him hate Christmas forever or whatever, and what it is is another eight-year-old making fun of him for not knowing how to shave. To be fair, I don't think that's why he hates Christmas. I feel like they established... No, like, he kind of hated... He did, like, even before that, but he tried to like yeah. Christmas. He did yeah. something. It backfired because an eight-year-old was... 
made fun of an eight-year-old for not knowing <laughs> this, how to shave. This solidified his his true Christmas hate. Look at that hacker job against the mayor. Said the young Jeffrey yeah. Tambor. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see him shave the brat. Because I was describing this, uh, Ben and I hung out in person the other day, and he was like, is there a scene where, like, his teacher gets the hots for him as a kid? I'm like, no, no, that's, like, his adult love interest remembering how he was in a flashback. Um, but you can see how one might make that mistake? Just... The muscles. (laughs) The muscles. (laughs) That, that's a great moment. I, I do feel bad about the Bible thing still. No, it was good. I yeah. I laughed. How like, dare in, you make internally. To the, do the Bible during our nine eleven special? I'm sorry. <laughs> this day isn't about Christianity. It's about America, <laughs> which is why it's being hosted by two Canadians. <laughs> oh man, yeah, um, yeah. That's. I guess we can sort of maybe shift gears into talking about his role as like the villain. And I, I think, yeah, this is, like, a a weird situation where, like, he's definitely, like, slimy. But, like, it's also, like, he's definitely redeemed by the end. Um, so, like, it's, like, a very weird, like, this is, like, one of one of the first, if you, if we count the, the T-Rexes getting redeemed, um, that we've seen of, like, villains. So it's kind of hard to, like, it's hard to kind of map that on with the other villains on this list that are considerably more like range from like like people that are psychologically disturbed and then also people that are like commit horrendous acts uh um since you uh say the word psychologically disturbed i have a question for ben specifically uh who would you say is more villainous jim carrey (laughs) grinch or mike myers cat in the hat Oh, oh, that's that's really tough, cause ah, that's really tough, um, cause like, <sighs> well, the cat in the hat is putting on like, it's all part of his plan to teach them a like a valuable lesson. Yeah, but yeah, but like Jigsaw is also trying to teach people lessons. <laughs> that doesn't a make really it good. good. Analogy. I whenever I think of Mike Myers' cat in the hat, he does give off Jigsaw vibes because he is he. You'd be lying if you were saying he wasn't a little sadistic. Um, like, he loves chaos. Much more than the Grinch loves chaos. Ah, oh, it's really tough. Um, oh, like, he, the cat in the hat, from the cat in the hat, not from the book. Um, he, he does litigate against kids with his lawyers. Um, he swears that it's bleeped out, but he does swear. <laughs> It's actually so tough. This is a very complicated question. I think... Uh, and, like, they're both kind of redeemed at the end, too. Um, oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm trying to think. <laughs> I think uh, I think Cat in the Hat maybe edges out as being a little more villainous. Uh, just because he was mildly racist, I think. I don't think it, at any point is the Grinch um, racist. Unless, like, like, maybe against the Who's... <laughs> that's an but interesting. That's, that's, that's a com- that's a complicated question, though, and I feel like I don't know. We if don't I'm have to get into that. that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I guess I guess uh, Kenny. I think you probably had some thoughts on on sort of the Grinch's Grinch like through a villain lens 
in this movie in particular. Yeah, so the Grinch is a v- villain. Um, I feel I said a lot of my piece as to why. Um, at the very least, I don't think he should be considered the winner of this, and that he's giving a very memorable performance. Um, it is, I will say, one of my criticisms of this movie is it is just a slight variation on the same performance Jim Carrey gives in movies when he's playing, like, a villain, typically. Like, this... We're gonna watch a series of unfortunate events in a few weeks, and I doubt it is going to be that much different from, like, what he's doing here, except that guy actually is a villain. Um, but... Yeah, I'll I'll say, having... Having recently watched Sonic 2, I, I guess I can admit, yeah, he does do slight differences in his characters in terms of the kind of bits he does. Um, I don't know if the fourth wall breaking works for me as, like, when the Cat in the Hat does it, it's fine because the Cat in the Hat is presented from as being someone from, like, a different dimension that doesn't have, like, rules. Where the Grinch is just, like, supposed to be, like, part of the same reality as the Who's. So when he's, like, mugging the camera, that's where I'm like, oh, this is getting a little Deadpool-y. Which, when I brought it out to Shane, he's like, the cat in the hat does the same thing. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> kind of. But <laughs> yeah. Um, um, oh, man. Wait, uh, Shane, have you seen the new Sonic movie? I have not watched either of them. Oh, okay. Damn it. I, I, had a, I, I, had I watched small... the cable guy in preparation for this. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh... So it's all I, up on Sonic lore, so we can appreciate like why the coffee shop in the second one is called the Mean Bean. Uh, <laughs> I I know why it's called the Mean Bean, Kenny. <laughs> Come on, who, who do you take me for? Yeah. Oh yeah, because like uh, small the Mean side Bean Machine. Come on. About the Sonic Two movies, I don't know. If, I don't know if we're ever gonna be able to talk about it because I don't think Sonic shows up on this list at all. Um, yeah, because that was the year of like. He definitely yeah. would have gotten nominated if uh, Global Pandemic hadn't set in. Um, oh, yeah, Eggman. If he doesn't get nominated for Sonic 2, then I just say that we cover that in whatever the next host choice is going to be, because he would have gotten it. Like, Yeah. Yeah. But it's funny, because yeah. in Sonic 2, he also briefly goes green in this, which Ben pointed <laughs> out. So between Grinch, the Riddler, and Sonic 2, it's like, oh, maybe Jim Carrey just loves green. <laughs> it's his favorite color. Um, uh, before yeah. my cat jumps off my lap, I have to point out that much like a villain, my cat is on my lap. Hey. <laughs> oh yeah. But, um, when you, when you do eventually watch the Sonic duology, soon to be tr- trilogy, I almost call it triology. Um, in Sonic 2, uh, the, the wedding stuff is, it's the best part of the movie. There's a um, wedding? There's, I won't, I'll try not to spoil anything of it, but like, it is the funniest part, it has, and it has the most emotional um, pathos, pathos maybe even. Um, yeah. Is it a, a 30 James minute Morrison... homage to the wedding crashers? <laughs> kind of. It's <laughs> yeah, basically the premise of Sonic 2 is James Marsden and his wife leave to go to the wedding of his sister-in-law who hates him. So they're in, like, Hawaii, which is why when you look at the Sonic 2 character posters, all the human characters who aren't Jim Carrey are in, like, Hawaiian garb and Mm -hmm. shirts. 
Robotnik should wear a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. He he wears a few like, different should be like a Hawaiian shirt with like eggs on it. Cause he's the Eggman. Yeah. Uh do we have any more uh any more Grinchy opinions? Uh, uh yeah, <laughs> Shane, if you have anything you've been withholding, just go nuts. Like it's uh, so I watched like a couple of the like special features from the Grinch in preparation for this, and uh, I learned that uh, Ron Howard spent a day of filming in the full Grinch makeup. Really? Yep. Uh, th- I don't have much to add to that. I just thought it did was they give an explanation? <laughs> uh, I I don't know. I guess it was like to get a better idea of, of like how Jim felt, but it's interesting because like he's widely considered to be one of the most normal men alive. Yeah, it's really, yeah. Maybe it was just so he had a sense of like how how much Jim Carrey was gonna be able to move around physically. Hmm. Probably, <laughs> but it's really funny just see him in full Grinch get up in the director position. <laughs> and there is a moment in the Grinch where Jim Carrey is pretending to be a director, and he has a baseball hat on, like Ron Howard. <laughs> Whenever oh, yeah. I think of Ron Howard, I always see the baseball hat. Yeah, it's iconic hat to cover up his like bald spot. <laughs> Just... Anything else yeah. I should say? Let's see. Um... What's in my notes? Uh, I have the phrase "the book of who" a Hooli text. Uh, what else? <laughs> uh, Jim Carrey's uh, Grinch voice. He's doing like sort of a voice, and what I realized is uh, one other, two other things that I watched in preparation for this uh, that I didn't mention earlier because I forgot. Uh, I've watched so much shit. Uh, it's a uh, man on the moon and uh, Jim and Andy, the great beyond, which a uh, man, on the moon is an Andy Kaufman biopic, a uh, great comedian, Andy Kaufman, in which uh, Jim Carrey plays Andy Kaufman. And he also plays one of uh, Andy Kaufman's characters in it. Uh, Tony Clifton, who is just a uh, like terrible lounge singer. And I realized that his Grinch voice is a slightly toned down version of Tony Clifton. Oh, wow. That's... Basically. So it paid off for you to watch that. Yeah, I, I guess. It paid off so I could say this one sentence. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What did we think of the of Taylor Momsen's performance as Cindy Lou Who? It's normal. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's It's like, yeah, child acting is on like a weird bell curve where like, if if it's not like really horrendous, it's pretty admirable. Yeah, I I'm pretty much in the same boat where I'm like, oh, she's holding she's holding this up more than I like what expected it to. Even even though a lot of it is she just has to look cute and cute and sad. She is like doing stuff. Um, uh, yeah. Before we wrap this up, uh, we do have to say that uh, the Grinch was defeated by the true meaning of Christmas. Uh, so Ben has been keeping track of how all the villains have been defeated. That's yep. how the Grinch was defeated. Yeah, yeah. Ben's definitely been remembering to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I think I have it memorized. I have all of them written down in my notes <laughs> for this episode. So, like, I've, I've got you, man. Yeah, I think, yeah, he was, he really was defeated by the true meaning of Christmas. Uh, there's truly, like, maybe not a more powerful weapon than the true meaning of Christmas. Well, yeah, that, that reminds me, uh, friend, yeah, friend of the show, Jack, like, I guess my husband is, he, he gave, he wrote kind of this review where he describes that scene where he's like, 
The drawn-out devastation of the Grinch realizing he's cursed now to care is heart-wrenching. His knees that buckle the dawn of Christmas, so welcome, welcoming the promise of a more loving and painful experience. This is a hideous movie that understands quite importantly what we sacrifice for the briefest sense of belonging. <laughs> I can never draw my eyes or heart away from it, despite all the very good reasons I should write it off for good, which I guess makes me like the Grinch. Jack is great. Shout out yeah. to Jack. <laughs> And then he quotes that even if we're horribly mangled, there will be no sad faces on Christmas. Which I do think is one of the better lines. Yeah. Also, yeah, when I was a kid and I did love this movie, I was actually given a talking Grinch for Christmas. Hell so yeah. a lot of the things he says, like, oh, Max, like, a lot of the quotes are just in my head because I, I have, like, a toy. Baby. Yeah, because <laughs> I had a toy that would just say, I love, I love you, baby, or, like, and just a bunch of... Stuff that kind of went over my head at the time, along with his jury duty, jury duty. I forget if that was. <laughs> I forget if that was in there. It's <laughs> It'd be so <laughs> funny if it was. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that about wraps. Uh, I think can bring us to the end of our Grinch segment. And wow, it yeah it was a reasonable length and everything. Um. Good work, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna wrap back around at the end of the episode, do another thirty minutes. I don't feel like I've had my yeah. voice properly heard. Uh, I have more Bible <laughs> jokes to make. I said, go ahead and read like all your notes. But if you want to hold stuff up, um, I'm so not. Hold, I'm talk. really not holding anything off. I'm kidding, but like. So now we go to Hollow Man. Um, um my my first note about Hollow Man is that it's upsetting. Um, this movie, I thought, because I, I, I am very famously, I do zero research before watching my movie, and I also, like, don't know any actors. I do know Kevin Bacon, um, uh, but I didn't know he was going to be the villain, because I just, I just sort of have all these movies, like, sort of saved somewhere, and I don't really, I try not to go to the Wikipedia page before watching them. Um, I was hoping, I was praying to gosh himself that the villain in this movie was going to be an invisible gorilla. Oh, man. Because that would have been amazing. What a horrifying movie that could have been. This movie does do does get horrifying. It is really creepy. But, um, like, not in a fun way. But not in a fun way. In an awful, awful way. But I'm, like, I'm just trying to think of, like, imagine yeah. the thing. I, I love the gorilla yeah. suit so Ima- much. Yeah, imagine Any the gorilla thing. suit in a movie. I am just bring them back yeah just like imagine like a imagine panic room except there's an invisible gorilla there you know oh my god imagine the saw movies but there's an i haven't seen panic room but i'm assuming it would be better with an invisible gorilla (laughs) i think every movie would be um but unfortunately this movie isn't about um an invisible gorilla like smashing people to death in like an enclosed underground environment Instead, um, what it is, is it's a feature-length adaptation of the Carl Havoc sketch from I Think You Should Leave. <laughs> yeah, that is spot on with the, like, latex in my past. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that reminded he, me of. He doesn't even want to be around anymore. <laughs> that's why you can't see him. He's not around anymore. He did it. <laughs> oh, man. And, yeah, like, huh. I man, I do kind of want to see Hollow Man too, but I from what you've seen, like <laughs> no, you I want, don't. <laughs> I want more. You don't want to see it. <laughs> yeah, I want um, I want a little bit more of this uh of this weird, weird like science 
thing where they try to invisibilize and then de-invisibilize people. Um. <laughs> uh, I have seen Hollow Man 2, and it is even worse than this. Doesn't it also take place five years after the original? Th- that's what I said to you earlier, yes. Was that a yeah. lie? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's accurate. Yeah, I think it released in 2006. Weird, I guess people were, were clamoring for more Hollow Man action. It's, um, a, it's a weird thing to exist, as is uh, another sequel from this week that I didn't end up watching all the way through, Cell 2, which I think we might have already discussed. My memory fails me. Yeah, you mentioned that Cell 2 immediately gets the plot of the original wrong. Oh, okay, yep, 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 okay. Yeah. yeah. We also have um, future villain, I think winner, um, Josh Broland uh, as sort of the protagonist role. Um, or at least like the good guy. Like there's not I think Ke- I think Kevin Bacon is still like he still gets like the most screen time and is sort of like the focal point of like the movie. Elizabeth Shue probably the closest the film gets to like I'd say yeah. like a protagonist character. Josh Brolin's close, but yeah, Kevin Bacon's very much kind of like the villain protagonist, who does act like the villain of the picture. Um yeah, he's trying is, to kill everyone. Yeah, he is probably like He's up there. He's up there and probably top, like, most awful things done as a villain on camera. Um, he, like, smashes a dog to death. That was horrible. I didn't like that scene at all. We've gone um, a couple weeks without uh, dogs dying. Multiple sex crimes. <laughs> like, this is, like, a weird recurring theme where so many of these villains have killed dogs. It's like, it's just, it's a really easy way to show, like, that this person's awful. Um... Yeah, he's a sex criminal. Like it's yeah, um, he's it's like ah, uh, it's so. It's just it was very like this this one. I think this was like the first time that like I think like, like, he like made me kind of like disgusted a little bit. Um, probably not like the first time. That's probably I think there's probably villains that I I would say that there are villains that are on paper like as or more disgusting and like commit more heinous acts in movies we've covered before but i feel like this is the one that i definitely felt the most um which is i if that and that i think that was most definitely the intention um so i guess like bravo to the movie it also has a a kiss in it i sent that to to kenny earlier um (laughs) between like weird um like kind of gross um uh, CGI uh, Kevin Bacon and uh, Elizabeth. Yeah, you were like, why wasn't this in there that year? <laughs> uh, disqualified. Yeah, I mean, hey, that wouldn't be the worst kiss that's been nominated. It's... Oh, certainly not. I f- okay, yeah, uh, looking at what got this kiss nomination that year, right, you could easily cut the kiss in Hannibal. If you wanted, like, a gross kiss that's supposed to make everyone feel bad. <laughs> oh, that's... Oh, that's... I don't know why Hannibal won over over this uh, <laughs> disgustingly awful kiss. I'm not sure, like, how much you're... Like, we're not at Hannibal yet, but I'm not sure how much either of you are going to want to discuss it since you already did, like, a episode on it, so that might just be me monologuing about e- watching every single <laughs> well, Hannibal we'll, Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll succeed. Yeah, this is the advantage time. of, like having fresh ears on or eyes on it especially because you have all the all that contact stuff and yeah and i guess um we didn't we didn't really have to do so much with the grinch because like it's the grinch but like 
for a, for our for our listeners a quick like sort of rundown of the plot of hollow man is that there's just like a group of scientists that are trying to like make things invisible and then make them visible again and by the time we're watching the movie they have pretty much conquered turning things invisible it's just about getting them back and they do it with a gorilla um but they don't want to show the government yet because kevin bacon's character is like worried about like well they're just gonna they're gonna take it with they're gonna do something evil government-esque with it um not like what he was gonna do with it um well, I think the problem is more that he wants like full control. It's not like he's worried about totalitarian like government bullshit. He's, he's, he's egotistical. Greedy. Yeah, he's very like he's a bad dude yeah, to begin exactly. with. So like they're like, "Oh, right, how about we like make sure that it works on humans 100% before we we present it to them." So Kevin Bacon like becomes invisible and then they they can't <laughs> they can't bring him back. Um so and then he's I, am I crazy? He's only there for like ten days before he starts going insane, right? Yeah, which I is think. like I I don't know how reasonable that is. Um, I'm trying to like yeah, imagine if he was here during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like and I would like I feel like it 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 works because he's sort of already like an an egomaniac. Um, that he would like do the things he does, and like he already doesn't seem like a stand like a stand up guy before he becomes invisible. Um, but like it's just it, his actions like are definitely more like the actions you would see out of like uh, someone who's been like stranded on an island for like months. Um, he's like so desperate to like get out and like just go do things, um, and then eventually like people kind of catch wise to what he's doing and then he eventually has he eventually tries to like kill all the other scientists using his invisible power uh before he's exploded in an elevator shaft after he tricks them with the speed Uh, trick where he just runs a video loop of his heat signature yeah uh yeah because he just wants to get out so yeah he just he, he gets like hacking material and it takes them so long to catch on uh, since you mentioned it, uh, he was defeated by falling down an elevator shaft and into a fire. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's one of the things for the film. There are so many explosions in the last 15 minutes, like, compared to what the film has been up to that point, when everything starts exploding, it's like, wait, huh? Just... It's a good way to destroy evidence if you're Kevin Bacon Hollow Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like... I, I, I am like really, I am a little flabbergasted, um, that in a week where I expected zero, we got sort of two, like pseudo sci-fi like thrillers, um, <laughs> uh, but I'm not, I'm not super uh, upset about it because like these are both like like pretty entertaining in their own way movies, like this is like a very sick movie like very like it gets like pretty gross places um which is yeah i guess like its own thing um and definitely like it definitely helps that like it definitely helps like somebody getting nominated for villains for like the movie to have like a very like already pretty like i don't think i'm trying to think of like the right word like capability of what it's like going to show you what they do pretty much okay so Here's what works about the movie for me. 
I think Kevin Bacon gives a very good performance. He can play a good villain. He's shown he's capable of doing it in other films, and he's capable of doing it here. He does a good job. Uh, and I think the effects are very good. They're, like, a bit, like, janky at bits. Like, sort of, like, earlier CGI weirdness. But then there's also very good early CGI in this. And that's great. I love that. Uh, but then there's the stuff that doesn't work. Uh, other performances aren't all there for me. And then I think the script isn't that great. Uh, kind of, you know, Kevin Bacon feels, like, kind of utter and as a character to me. Uh, like, Kenny, do you have anything to say? Yeah, I think this one's okay. It's always one where, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I never like it that much, but then the ending, like, when he becomes partially visible, which I'm also not sure that should work how it's presented, which is where he is suddenly, you can see, like, his muscles and and blood and stuff, and it's being kind of held up in place, but also he can smear blood around, which does not seem like that should happen, but... Yeah, the rules are weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, partial visibility, it's like, what do you think that means? Just... <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, I don't know, it's, it's alright. I, like... If this was anyone other than Kevin Bacon, it would probably be a lot worse. Like, he is doing a lot Certainly. of heavy lifting in making it, like, like there. And as you said, he is good at turning on that kind of sinisterness. And, yeah. Um, yeah. We, we don't have much more. To, we don't have uh, as much. There's not, like, yeah. the grinch. Like, at know? the end, it takes him, like, forever to die. There's, like, four different moments where you think he's dead and he's not dead. Yeah. He keeps coming back. So I like I had my notes app open, like I'm ready to record the way he died, just waiting. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it's you, you just crossing out everything to like write something else. Just let's see, uh, beat to death of the crow. No, electrocuted. No, wait, no. <laughs> also, yeah, qu- explode it. No. <laughs> oh right, there's also the implication that if they kept electrocuting him, he would have just become visible again eventually. Like. It's... <laughs> <laughs> They hadn't tried it yet. Maybe it would have worked. <laughs> yeah, uh. but definitely like a weaker Verhoeven, though. I, well, Shane, you said you had watched other ones because you very smartly didn't want this to be your first Verhoeven. Um, yeah, I watched uh, RoboCop and uh, Total Recall. Oh yeah, oh yeah, some classics. Um, I don't think I've seen Total yeah. Recall and Robo. They're good. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um. Definitely the right choice. I'm trying to remember if this this did wind up being my first Verhoeven outside of bits of Robocop I'd seen on TV. Maybe I saw Basic Instinct first, um, but yeah, definitely kind of one of it, like, not his best effort, um, which is sort of the consensus. Do we have anything else to say about Hollow Man? Don't no, think so. Should, I wish it was about an invisible gorilla. I think I stated that. I stated that pretty thoroughly at the yeah. beginning, but I, I didn't have that <laughs> thought on my own. But now that you've said that, it's all I can think about. <laughs> what a horrifying concept of just being trapped in an underground bunker with an invisible gorilla. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, not much else. I don't have much else to say about. Hollow yeah, that man. sounds like a better movie. Um, <laughs> and Kevin Christian Bacon. Slater stars in Hollow Man 2? 
It's not as good as and you want And the dad from Twilight is like a cop? Just... <laughs> I, again, it sounds like it's something, but it truly is nothing. It's not there. It's invisible. It's Wait, hollow. Wait, at the very least, in like the title sequence, do they use like the two L's in hollow to be like the Roman numeral two? I, I don't oh. think so. I can't it, remember. I, it could have been the best don't. movie ever, and that would have made it the worst. Um, that is... It's right there. It's perfect. You could do that with set the cell too, as well. Um, yeah, <laughs> the cell. And once you get to the, once you get to like cell three, you cell. can like take. <laughs> oh yeah. Wait, no. Like you just put another numeral in front of cell, so it's cell with three L's. <laughs> uh, yeah. Speaking of the cell. Uh, what did we all think of it? Good movie. <laughs> yeah. I was not expecting it to be what it was, which is like a crazy, like, psychological film largely in, like, people's mindscapes. <laughs> which, like, it, once it, when it's not in the minds, it feels, like, low-key, like, kind of in a good way, but when it's in the minds, it's just insane. <laughs> like, truly, like, visually astounding. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, I was like, I think my, f- I was really intrigued by this movie. I think, I want to say I watched this one first and I had no idea what I was going to get it going in. And I was like, I think after like the first scene, which is like really cool, it takes place in like the coma kid's mind where they're like in a desert. And I was like, okay, as long as when they go back into someone's mind, as long as it's not also a desert, this movie is going to be awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> and when they do get to the primary mind that the movie takes place in, it looks like a Baczynski painting. It's great. I love it. Yeah. No, this was this was really good. It's it's funny, like Vincent D'Onofrio, I mean, other than this, I'm like familiar I'm mostly familiar with him as as like Ivor King Pin and Daredevil. And then one of the better Bojack Horseman jokes, which is that he was originally gonna be the star of the show that becomes Paul F. Tompkins' character's Mr. Peanut Butter's House, but at this point it's called Untitled Horsing Around Knockoff, where he eventually says the line, Vincent, yeah, he's like, this Onofrio has had enough Rio, or something like that, just... <laughs> After giving an insanely intense performance in a sitcom scene, which is always a good joke. Um, he... He's like he's a great villain, of course. You mentioned Kingpin. He's also great in the first Men in Black. Is like the insect dude. Oh yeah, uh, he like, does that too. Like anything you cast him as a villain in, he's going to be good, and he's good in this. My main issue with the movie is that there isn't enough D'Onofrio. Yeah, it's a lot of like the kid version of the character, and then you don't get enough because, well, I mean, because the real D'Onofrio is also like comatose for most of the film. Though then he does get to be and the then cool it's either guy. like a scary there's this like yeah the scary monster version and then there's a the bit where the near the end where it is just regular him in the mind mm-hmm. telling her to kill him and that scene like his performance in that scene is great and I just want more of that yeah no this movie is really really good um what did we think of Jennifer Lopez's performance. Yeah, good. Just yeah, I, yeah. I don't know why. I feel like there was a scene early on or about halfway that sort of like, I don't know why, but it really took me out. 
I think like Vince Vaughn is describing something like genuinely horrific and she just sort of like stares blankly and smiles slightly. Um, and that, I don't know why, but I just took note of that. I, I don't think it's throughout the whole movie, but that was definitely in the back of my mind. And then I also think this movie is really, really good. I really, really love it. It's really like visually like appealing. Um, I think it peaks early on with the horse segments. Um, that is probably my favorite image in the movie. Um, I don't know if it, it, I don't know if it has any like deeper meaning, but it just looks really cool. Um, the horse being, the horse being split up. Yeah. Like the horse being just split up and then like pulsating in the glass. Uh, I, I took note of that scene because, uh, in preparation for Hannibal, I watched all three seasons of Hannibal, the TV show. And Hamble the TV show basically does the same thing, but with a human. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hannibal the TV show is like known for its very elaborate, yeah, its very elaborate kills. Oh yeah, well Shane, well, well, we get to this. Was was your watching Pushing Daisies also connected to this podcast, or was it just I got to check out more? No, Marvel because no, I just I just want to watch Pushing Daisies, and you kind of spoil what my recommendation is gonna be. <laughs> It's fine. I'm just can, yeah. Well, I mean, because like Brian Fuller did both Hannibal the TV show and Pushing Daisies, but like Pushing Daisies the TV show has nothing to do with Hannibal the movie. It's too many degrees removed. Okay, sure. Yeah, it wouldn't give me any needed context. Although, wait, I was gonna say, oh, but Lee Pace starred in The Fall, but then I remember we we're talking about The Cell and not The Fall, <laughs> the other Tarsem Singh movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Too many degrees. So yeah, I think Jennifer Lopez... It, yeah. I think she's good in it. Like, she does have those weird bits. It is funny seeing her do this stuff. Like, I think this is right before she stars in The Wedding Planner and just does, like, rom-coms for the next, like, decade. Like, so it is kind of funny seeing her in this mode or, like, in Out of Sight where she's kind of, like, an action lead. So good in Out of Sight. Everything is so good in Out of Sight. <laughs> yeah. It really is out of sight. <laughs> that was terrible, but <laughs> it's fine. But yeah, but because I also like if you told me the premise of this movie and said who's the lead, like Jennifer Lopez would not be one of my first ten guesses. But I think she does good good in this. And if we're gonna compare it to the film, her current fiance Ben Affleck was in uh, the MTV Movie Awards this year Bounce I think she's a lot better than him <laughs> oh man <laughs> uh, speaking of people who are in this movie that I would not have guessed are in this movie uh, Vince Vaughn oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Vince Vaughn is a, as a secret agent uh, for Christmases himself yeah no um yeah so yeah this movie it's just sort of like it's just sort of people yeah, entering people's minds and it also has like a really good like um I, I am a sucker for like a dual climax. Um not sorry, dual as in like there's two of them, not dual as in two people dueling. As, although those are also cool. Because, um, like the two climaxes is like uh Jennifer Lopez like killing uh Vincent um uh in like the mind realm. Um and then also Vince Vaughn like breaking the glass cell, which the movie is named after, but also like plays like a like it plays like kind of a role. There's a little bit of like cell imagery, like the like the cube with like the the glass circles in the middle of it, are in like one of the final scenes. 
What else is there? Uh, so we I mentioned the skin hooks earlier. Uh, I am the skin hook expert. Uh, this is what the skin hooks are from. Uh, Vince D'Onofrio uh, suspends himself from uh, skin hooks near the beginning of this movie over a uh, corpse and does things. Oh yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah. I I definitely thought in my head I was like. I definitely thought he was like, oh, he's suspending himself above her because he's also going to do like a mind transfer. But no, he was just being weird. Because <laughs> <laughs> like they're also they're also get suspended when they do like the mind thing. I think a character kind of throws it away. It says like it makes them feel like more relaxed. Um, uh, Vincent also like trains his dog to help him in evil because uh, his whole his whole shtick is that he just sort of he just kidnaps women. And then puts them into like a glass cube underneath like a some sort of like small refinery, and then after like some amount of time, it starts filling with water, and then they drown. Um, yeah, think... I'm realizing this is like a big week for like villains who actually just do like just nasty, Horrible. nasty shit. Yeah. Like, yeah, um, yep. I think the one, I think like the one scene I don't super like in this movie is the um is when like the it's like sort of Jennifer Lopez is in the mine realm in like the closet of the kitchen and like the dad is yelling at Vincent cuz like I feel like this movie is full of like such like good abstract oh. locations and this was just this was just very like literal and direct and it's just I don't know it's like I, I don't know what they were super going for it was just very like it was it shouldn't it should have had like more abstraction it should have been like weirder it should have been like how a kid would remember something like that it should have been like scarier but it ended up just being sort of bland unfortunately but this movie like does make up for it by having like a really neat finale um there's like there's like a there is like a lot of like uh like um biblical imagery near like sort of near the end scenes um to the point where, like, a movie, like, starts getting, like, slight border effects that look like, um, I don't know what the word is for it. Unless I can mention Sodom and or Gomorrah, I'm not interested. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no. Well, then Vincent D'Onofrio turns into salt, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, sorry, I forgot about that. I don't know how I didn't have that in my notes. Yeah, the big finish. <laughs> but yeah, no, um... I would definitely say that, like, it's really tough. Because, like, he does do... Vincent um, uh, D'Onofrio does do, like, villainous stuff. Um, but I feel like it... it I think, yeah, Shane, you kind of said it really early on, is that, like, he just doesn't... But he doesn't get a lot of screen time in this movie, unfortunately. It's it's a lot of it's uh, Jake Thompson playing, like, the young version of his character. That gets, like, most of it. Um, Boniaza is on screen. He's like in a bunch of like really cool looking makeup, um, in like the dream realm, and like he's very he he's when he's not when he's in like real life he he's like carries himself like very like creepily like it's really cool especially somebody who like goes on to like play like the kingpin. Um, it's weird to think he's like the same guy because like his character does like feel like pretty like scraggly and small despite not really like being that like physically. Yeah. Also, it kind of does the Inception thing, where at a certain point, they have to, like, go into the mind, and, because she has forgotten that the world she's in is not real. Um, yeah. Well, unlike Inception, they are more successful at making her, like, remember reality. 
All right. Before we finish up with the cell, uh, I need to say that uh, the villain in this was defeated via mind stab. Yeah. Yeah, it's the the classic. If you die in the game, you die for real. Um. <laughs> uh, but if if you do end up like ranking villains by how they died, is a mind stab uh more or less deadly than a regular stab? It depends on your your mental constitution, I guess. It's certainly <laughs> cooler than a regular stab because oh, yeah. a regular stab often is in against a snake person. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Also. A big plot point of this film is she's hoping to use this technology to reach a young boy who has infection caused schizophrenia, which like feels like a weird, crazy concept to just kind of have it be kind of in the background where they're like, "Oh yeah, he got this virus." Don't they say? Don't they say D'Onofrio has like the same thing? That's why he's in the coma. Yeah, and then and then of course the big the big kind of nice finale of it is. Having proven that, like, yeah, having proven that you you can go into mindscapes and it'll be okay, she is able to kind of just treat this guy, treat this kid better. Which also, I think also makes, like, her character interesting is that her main interest is she wants to help this kid. Yeah, I also, like, I, the, the, I, it's a good ending, it's a fine ending, but, like, it doesn't super make sense because I feel like the parents, like, big concern was that, like, I think one of their biggest concerns was, like, how do we even know it's real? I don't know if this is safe. And, like, it's weird to think that the thing that turns them around was, like, well, we hooked her up to this serial killer, and he died. Because um, she stabbed her in her his mind. So that is what get But at the very <laughs> least, they did prove that it was <laughs> like, real. It's just weird that that's the thing that made the parents go, okay, our kid can enter your mind. Because um, <laughs> you killed this guy there. Um, <laughs> it was, it was just, it was a weird, it was a weird, uh, leap to, like, make the parents, that's what made the parents comfortable. Okay, uh, are we ready to go into the Ridley stretch of the episode? Uh, yeah, now we, now we talk about- Going Ridley mode! Yeah, two very different films by Ridley Scott, uh, the <laughs> rubber on my beloved Tony Scott, definitely more prolific, has made a lot of great films, um, and also made, yeah, oh, wait, Oh yeah, we talk about Hannibal first. Yeah, so yeah, so Shane, you went through all of Han- you kind of like immersed yourself in the world of Hannibal. Uh, uh yes, I uh, I put myself in. I, I immersed myself in the mind of Hannibal, uh, much like uh, Will Graham. Uh, <laughs> really, uh, went head first, uh, for better or for worse. Uh, yeah, so. As I mentioned, I watched every single movie, uh, rewatches included, and uh, every single episode of the TV show in preparation for this. Uh, did it help? Uh, the TV show, watching that probably helped because, like, the TV show basically adapts uh, Hannibal, the book, except it, like, changes the timeline around a bit, so it happens before Red Dragon, whereas normally Red Dragon is the first book and Hannibal is the third book, but, like, yeah, so I've seen multiple adaptations, and I guess that helped. Yeah. Uh, I think I mentioned this in the last episode of the TV show, like, does, like, pretty much... Initially, it's just, we're gonna have, like, set up for Mason Verger, and then the first half of season three, they full-on just do the Hannibal plot with Mason Verger, and then also kind of the Italy stuff. And they get around how boring the Italy stuff is by just making it insanely abstract. <laughs> just Yeah, it's great. It's a good, funny time. Yeah. 
There's like a kaleidoscope to set up almost like kind of a threesome sort of just it's yeah and the show mason vercher dies by an eel swimming into his mouth yeah that's i would have preferred over the pigs yeah the pig stuff is uh gross um yeah also uh, I, i don't i don't mind the pig stuff i think it's like kind of I don't know if interesting is the word, but it's something. It's pigtacular. Sure. Also, I'll say I am glad we are covering this for best villain this time and not best kiss. <laughs> <laughs> and the kiss in this is like kind of like both like awful and also nothing. Yeah, it's more significant in the book, which is I described in great detail last time. Involves Hannibal successfully brainwashing her and, like, her eating brains and becoming his lover. Like, Yes, yeah, I think one thing this movie needed was a little more brain eating. <laughs> uh, well, he gives it to a kid. Yeah, he does. You, know, you should always try new things. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, that's, you're, you're describing the book and that's, like... Sort of like a worse version of what happens in Hannibal, the TV show, to Will Graham. Yeah. That's true. Will Graham, it very much gets into a similar thing where he just keeps getting... Though it's less like mind control and more like him just falling more into his sway and kind of more into his obsession until... um... Yeah. Hey, people, go watch Hannibal. It's a good show. Yeah, Yeah, really, (laughs) really good. Um... Just, yeah, I. It, it's stuff where you're like, this aired on a n- television network, like not HBO. They let them get away with how many like horrific just body stagings. Um, <laughs> uh, what yeah. a good show. Uh, yeah, so uh, I think this is uh, not good, uh, and I don't hate it, but like it just, yeah, it just sort of exists for me, I guess. <laughs> I don't... Here's what I found. Experience does not equal expertise. I don't think I could tell you a lot about Hannibal the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's just like... It's just kind of, like, boring. Yeah, it's just like the... This... It should be way more psychotic. This is, like, too normal. <laughs> yeah. Ho- Hopkins also, like... He, you know, he's Anthony Hopkins. He's, uh... Old NAR himself. Yeah, the guy the guy who famously said that he likes doing the floor movies because he can put on, like, a fun hat and do a little voice and then there's no actual acting required of him. Like... No acting required, yeah, he, NAR. Obviously, he doesn't treat all his roles like that, but, like, the, this one, it's like... Hannibal was not as exciting as in, like, Silence of the Lambs, <laughs> but... I'll give him that. Uh, this performance is better his, than his performance in Red Dragon. There's like, he slowly gets like less and less good. And then, is he in Hannibal Rising at all, or is it just completely a prequel? No, absolutely not. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> this is about young Hannibal who doesn't fuck but could fuck. Uh, yeah. In the Hannibal Rising film, isn't the part of that like Nazis feed his sister's brain to him, or like? Isn't that part of it? It's just they're they're not really Nazis. They're more just like assholes who were Nazis. They're like opportunists. <laughs> how how did 
not once but twice how did we get what seems to be the most boring adaptation of this character in this world on this on the mtv movie list <laughs> i i will say that hannibal is better than hannibal rising just because like i, I can describe hannibal rising to you and you might think it sounds interesting the it's not just bad <laughs> No, it's not. It's not anything. <laughs> yeah, no. Like I, yeah, I, I did. Like I kind of. I watched like the first half of this, and then I think after the Italy stuff, I think I skipped to like the brain eating stuff. I kind of skimmed around, and like, I mean, the brain eating yeah. stuff is great. I love like the image of Ray Liotta <laughs> at the top of his head. <laughs> yeah, like that stuff's pretty cool. And like, I don't know. Like the Italy stuff is like it's okay. It's just like. It it feels weird because then it's like dropped and like it's just not it's just it feels this feels like two episodes of it or two or three episodes of a TV show and like not a movie because like they just feel very disconnected. It's like I don't know. Part that's probably part of the reason it lends itself better. Yeah, to TV. I'm glad to hear that that Hannibal. It might be something I enjoy, and I maybe just got one of one of a poor a poor feeding of it um that that's good to hear but like it's still like it doesn't help that like i don't i this is movie it's weird because like i feel like it's there are parts that are like i feel like are like theoretically really interesting um like the kill in italy and like the pig stuff but just like other than like the brain stuff i just feel like the execution just is like just it feels wet, it feels limp, it feels kind of lame. I will say, I think... Okay, I know I was making fun of uh, Kenny about like Jeffrey Tambor earlier, but I do think Gary Oldman is good in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, also problematic. As Matthew Verger. Yeah, Gary Oldman, another person who just pops up in a lot of these films and is usually good in, in it, but yeah. Oldman definitely is going all out, just being like a crazy person. It's like Mason. Yeah, Richard. nobody beats the ring. Yeah, I like. I honestly, I, I enjoy like his little villain performance a little more than Hopkins. Honestly, in this, just because he's he's just he's just like more interesting. It's like something more to it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, Silence of the Lambs was directed by Jonathan Demi, who. Declined to return for this one because he found the material lurid and too gory. Um, just reading like Wikipedia, like cites a documentary on the inside where it's like, Demi said, "Oh, Tom Harris, as unpredictable as ever, took Clarice and Dr. Lecter's relationship in a direction that just didn't compute for me. And Clarice is drugged up, and she's eating brains with him. And I just thought, I can't do this." In which the big producer of this like franchise, Dino De Laurentiis, said. Of his decision. Well, when the Pope dies, we create a new Pope. Good luck to Jonathan Demi. Goodbye. <laughs> and then apparently, when he visited Ridley Scott, who made Gladiator before this and suggested he directed it, Ridley Scott, who was like basically in the midst of filming, like thought he was talking about like the general, and he's like, Dino, I'm doing a Roman epic right now. I don't want to do elephants coming over the Alps next, old boy. Just. It's just like a really funny like miscommunication just yeah. Ridley Scott the new pope yeah uh-huh. just I'm trying to remember is 
Okay, so there's young Pope and new Pope. Which one is which? Which one is Jude, Jude Law is young Pope, right? Right, yeah. And then John Malkovich is, like, the new Pope. Oh, of course. <laughs> Ridley Scott is just like John Malkovich. Yeah. T- taking over for, like, Jonathan Demme's Jude Law after he's slipped into a coma? I have no clue what happens on those shows other than they're called The Young and the New Pope. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, get ready. Your next podcast after this is that you're going to be doing the Pope cast with me. <laughs> yeah. You have no choice. <laughs> yeah, let's let's do it. Dive into the world of, yeah, the, of the Popes. <laughs> I'm going to learn all about the pa- <laughs> the papacy, the papacy, however Vatican. it's pronounced. First thing I'm going to learn is how you the pronounce Vatican. it. Change it's all into Catholicism. You hear about these crusades? Just... Of course I heard about the Crusades. I watched Kingdom of Heaven for this. Oh yeah, I've been mean, I've been meaning to get to Kingdom of Heaven. Um Uh you should watch it. It's better than Gladiator. Ooh, um, oh, interesting. I'll watch the director's cut. Go for the director's cut. Hmm. Yeah, uh do we have other Hannibal stuff to say before we get to Gladiator or? Uh not really. It's it's I feel like on almost all of our retreads. Um, it's been like a movie that's like, like I I enjoyed a little more or like I enjoyed originally, but this is one that like I didn't super feel it when I watched it the first time, and that didn't super change. I watched so many hours of stuff for this like ten minute discussion of a movie. Yeah, and I feel I told you as much. I'm like, you- I I liked most of the stuff, but still, like I'm wondering why do I do these things. <laughs> It's not like I'm even mad about it. I'm just, like, questioning myself. Because you're young and you have a lot of spare time, so you go way o- way overboard, and it's but fun. There's, like, other things I could be doing with that time. Like, I could, like, learn a new language or something useful. Yeah, um, once when I was around, around your age, this is completely unrelated to anything, but I had a friend who was, like, doing some traveling and was, like, posting travel blogs, and I did an elaborate bit where I would just review them as if it was, like, serialized, like, content, basically, and I'm like, yeah, this kind of goes to an <laughs> anti-climax, like, 6 out of 10, and then eventually she's like, well, if you think this is so easy, you do it, and then I went to, like, a camp retreat weekend for, and I wrote, uh, thousands of words, just, like, painstakingly detailing, like, the, the weekend just to, like, prove a point, and then, but... In a way, I proved her point, because I did this, I'm like, wait, no, I'm an insane person. No one should do this. Like, (laughs) That's how I feel constantly. I do so many things in my life that are the equivalent of writing the thousand-page review of a camp getaway. Yeah, it it was a summary. It had had chapters, it had themes, it was, yeah, uh way too much for a camp I no longer worked at after that, like, retreat, but, hey, um, yeah, but, no, your devotion is, like, appreciated, and, yeah, I think it's funny that you watched all the Hannibal films, and then this ultimately did not factor into our discussion of Hannibal, really, um, but, yeah, so, Gladiator. Gladiator! Uh, the walk doesn't do it this time. Not that good of a performance. No? Yeah. yeah. I Nope, kind of weak. I, I'm going to say it now he's at the bottom <laughs> of my ranking. I feel 
differently, but maybe not that differently. Um, I think his performance is serviceable. I think, but I also, I think I give him like a lot of villain points because um, I feel like he's a very rare exception. Um, I think I haven't thought about it a lot, but like, I feel like a lot of these villains are sort of just like evil villains and they're just sort of like, they're either kooky crazy or they're awful. Um, but I feel like this is like one of few villains that is just a perfect foil of our protagonist. And that like, I think he's like decently written, but like the performance just isn't there. Hmm. Like I like the character fine. I think the performance grew. I I felt similarly, but I think it grew on me as the story went on. But I think I'm also, I think in my head, I'm attributing a lot to like his writing. Cause just cause like, I feel like very rarely do we get like a villain that, a villain that um, makes the protagonist like look better and is like able to like pretty much like exemplify his greatest traits. Like, and I think in that final fight, that's kind of where true. it all sort of uh, uh, culminates where like, he's like cheating and like, he has like a hidden sword. He's asking for other swords and like Russell Crowe is like fighting with like two pre gotten stab wounds um, and still like, and still like manages to like, I'm pretty sure like draw the very least um but it's just i i feel like that's just pretty rare um that we get like a a like a a, pre- a pretty good foil in a movie you know like i don't think like the grinch is a, a very good like i don't think he's a very good uh um like f- like foil to anything other than maybe like christmas but even by the end no <laughs> yeah i think I, I just remembered something I forgot to mention during the Grinch, which is that you see Santa on screen, <laughs> which is insane. Yeah, well, yeah, you had to. The real you Santa. You had to all the presents so that he could see them all. <laughs> well, like in most adaptations of the Grinch, I just assume it's like regular Christmas rules, where it's like the parents like buying gifts and leaving them out. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, just Santa is there, but then the Grinch just—it's insane. <laughs> It's, like, such a throwaway thing, too. It doesn't even matter. Yeah, um, I think... Back to Gladiator. Yeah, I think Joaquin Phoenix is fine in this. You know, maybe what he really needed to do was a scene where he dances on the, like, Gladiator on, like, the steps of the Coliseum. As, like, his... As, like... (laughs) As a Gary Glitter song that should not have been in Joker. Like, definitely by that in 2019. Maybe if it's... It's it's rock and roll part I I yeah because we're in Rome rock and roll part I I yeah um, yeah I think his the character he plays is really good I agree with Ben that like it's it's a really well written character where he works as like a foil like he's he's everything that like Russell Crowe's character is not like he's yeah he's selfish he's yeah, he's self serving he's like cowardly and. He also gets a lot of, a lot of like good lines in this. Like, Gladiator is just a film I think is, you know, maybe, maybe could have been a bit shorter, but during the fights, it is just so entertaining. Um, so you, like, wait, so you were entertained when he asked you. Yeah, but uh, and that's like an iconic line. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I thought. I thought that happened in the big Coliseum, not like the like the little one in. I'm trying to remember where they go to. There's even like text that rolls across the screen. Um, oh, where do they? It's probably. Um, uh, it's Z U C C A B A R. How do you pronounce that? Zuk Zukabar, possibly. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll get I'll get a pronunciation in post. According to the internet, it is Zukabar. But yeah, when they go there, that's when like that's where that line is said. So I don't think the combat in this is particularly well shot. I think so. I watched like a bunch of really Scott stuff in preparation for this, uh, specifically like the historical stuff. So like, Duelist, his first film, Last Duel, like one of his most recent films, and uh, uh, Kingdom of Heaven. Uh, those are all like historical things with combat, and you can like sort of see him like get better at it, like. By the time you get to the titular last duel and last duel, like, that scene is great. That's, like, incredible. But, like, the stuff in this and, like, the stuff in, like, Kingdom of Heaven to, like, a lesser degree is just not very interestingly shot. Like, at all. Like, too many cuts. You don't get to see enough, like... This is gonna sound, like, a bit craven, but there should be more violence. There should be more, like, people getting, like, their arms cut off. There should be, like, differing, like, angles. Yeah. I, I can agree with wow, that. Wow, Shane comes into our 2001 episode and advocates for more violence. <laughs> oh, no! Yeah. No, I, I think I agree with both of you. I think, yeah, it would definitely be, like, a little shorter. And then, like, I think, except except for, like, the final fight, I, I think they're entertaining, but they definitely do leave a bit more. And they are, like, a bit, they are a bit, they're, I think they're good in that they're very chaotic, um, which is... Um, like they're not like clean. They aren't like slick. Like I think like the fast cuts because it's supposed to be like this visceral thing, which I guess maybe just like yeah, probably just didn't didn't maybe work to the best effect. But I could kind of see what they were going for. Yeah, I will say the last duel fights definitely better than the gladiator fights in in this. But yeah, I do think uh just he's very good at capturing kind of just the excitement of the crowd and the excitement of here's a gladiator fight and also kind of just the inhumanity of it all. Um, yeah. But that is, uh, that's why I kind of think he like gets well, well done here. Um, having watched all these movies, I had to say, I am now uh, very much looking forward to his uh, Napoleon film. The next movie he's doing uh, with uh, it is it's walking Phoenix, right? He's back. Um, I was not aware he was doing a Napoleon film, but yeah, I would yeah, be down. Yeah, I think he's doing Napoleon with Joaquin Phoenix, the villain of this film. Ooh, oh, that's a, as Napoleon. That sounds good. Very good. Um, yep, he is next. Yeah, he. Oh, yeah, they have begun filming. Yeah, Napoleon. Um, the technically Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. yeah, Vanessa Kirby. Um. Joaquin Phoenix, Mr. Technically Not the Most Recent Joker. <laughs> Technically, yeah. <laughs> we stand Barry Keegan, the first Irish Joker. I'm sure there will be many more. <laughs> yeah, finally. yeah, Finally, a film that's afraid to acknowledge that, hey, Irish people can be funny too. <laughs> I mean, not that the Joker is Irish. <laughs> It wouldn't be an episode of Testicle and Popcorn if we didn't talk about the Irish. God. Oh, right. Yeah, just... And, yeah, come back next week for when we talk about Gangs of New York again and Daredevil. Just... <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, no, wait. That's not next week. That's two weeks from now. Ah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, but would have been funny if it was co coming up. <laughs> Is there any Irish people in Lord of the Rings? <laughs> no. Um, but, yeah. Um, Tom Bombadil would have been Irish, but they cut him. <laughs> I don't know that. I'm making that up. <laughs>
Honestly, yeah, I, I could buy that. He, he reads as Irish. I'm, I'm glad our gladiator segment is just going <laughs> talking into it. Um, talking about the Irish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, walking walking is fine. Russell Crowe is like great in this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's like he's playing a very like stoic character, which I don't I don't always super love, but like yeah, this one this definitely like works really really well. Uh, speaking of good performances, uh, I don't have a lot to say about uh, Russell Crowe, but Oliver Reed is so good in this. Oh yeah, Oliver Reed, who died during the filming of this movie, um, so they had <laughs> to kill him off, because he was supposed to, like, live, and then, but, yeah, all, in his final role as, like, the gladiator trainer Proximo, um, yeah, he's really good. He's fantastic, like totally like this character didn't have to be as good as he is yeah and my main like context for oliver reed is and i think i've talked about this before but it's like this six sixties kind of spy co- comedy type thing the assassination bureau with like the, with dame diana riggs and it's him playing like essentially the head of an assassination industry who is like challenged to like put a hit out on himself by like a reporter and it's him just going around killing a bunch of various assassins um, it's it's great fun and that was like my main context for like oliver reed so seeing it, i'm like oh right he oh yeah he's older and long dead but yeah he is giving a great amount of pathos to like his performance in this uh let's see anything else let's see uh uh Joaquin is uh, incestuous in this. Yeah, he tries to be. Well, that was just. Yep, wants to be with his sister. (laughs) Well, yeah, I guess it was a different time. (laughs) Since this is since this is the biblical illusion. If we lived in a society where like no one ever died, and you had like relatives, like your great 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 great, however many great grandpas from like ancient Rome, it's like ah, oh, it was a different time. Incest was okay back then. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you're about to say something about Sodom and Gomorrah. Please go on. No, I was saying obviously Rome. There's crucifixion imagery in this. Um... Oh yeah. Oh, not the biblical reference I wanted. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's more Bible stories than Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> Are there? <laughs> yeah. There, there's the Are one there where, salt in the other ones? There's the one where the prophet gets made fun of for being bald, so he summons a bear who kills a bunch of kids. <laughs> does the bear turn into salt at the end? <laughs> uh, does not explain what happened to the bear. Maybe it turned into salt. Probably turned into salt. Probably was salted. <laughs> Were you, like, reading up on Sodom and Gomorrah? Like, I forget how this... <laughs> I was not reading up on Sodom and Gomorrah. I was just comparing Whoville to Sodom and Gomorrah, and I've just sort of been fixating on it for the entire episode. <laughs> yeah. The... No, I, I like that it's, like, a recurring theme on this. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, some would say that the Gladiator games, again, would go into the excess that would fit into a Sodom and Gomorrah. By the way, at the end of this episode, uh, I will turn into a pillar of salt, so just be warned. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, it's a classic. Uh, yeah, I, I've angered God. I forgot to mention this earlier. It's going to be a whole thing. Uh, don't be afraid. Uh, pass the golden popcorn first. <laughs> 
I'm sure everything will be fine. I'll probably be back for like next series. Not sure if I'll still be salt by then, but we'll figure yeah, it out. It'll be like the end of the comedy bang bang episodes where like Scott Scott just dies, and then uh, the and then they're like, oh yeah, then I kind of forget what happens, but now we're back. Like the like the number of times that Andy D- Daly has just shot Scott on air. I'm well Dalton Wilcox, but <laughs> yeah. 150 days of games? I mean, I gotta see Emperor, but 150 days of games feels a little excessive. <laughs> <laughs> the tigers are cool. Yeah, oh my gosh, yeah, that the tigers in that fight. Like, I was expecting, like, him to, like, cut one. I was expecting him to ride on one, I don't know why. Um, I like when, I like, um, when they sort of, like, get in, like, formations because they're fighting, like, the chariots. That's a really, really good scene. Um, yeah, no, this is, this is just, oh yeah, no, um, yeah, I think this movie is, like, pretty good. It's, it's one of those things where, like, I think, yeah, I wish it was a little, like, shorter, but I'm not sure, like, where you would cut from. I'd maybe just cut out another, one of the gladiator fights. Um, cause, like, I really, I like the first scene in, like, the first battle, and then, like, um, like, him, like, sort of, uh, his, like, um, what is it, uh, is like talk. I'm trying to who's the, who's the old guy at the beginning, like the, the the one the Caesar. Uh, uh, R- Richard Harris. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Him, his, the original Dumbledore. Oh, old Dick Hare. <laughs> yeah. Who also died shortly after this film. Oh, no. um, Mildly cursed production, but like not like too serious. A slight curse. Yeah. It's. A, cu- a couple older actors like die shortly after someone maybe turned to salt. We'll never know. Um, Who's to say? Yeah, you could probably cut from like the war stuff in the beginning. That's like the first twenty minutes of the film. It's probably yeah. It's probably a little a little fat to trim there. I think. Yeah, and then also the kind of afterlife door. I mean, yeah, it's pathos. It's good, but you can maybe cut a little bit of that. Um, I'll say, I, I wouldn't cut that. I yeah. think that stuff's cool. Don't get it. Right oh yeah, that. going for like how villains get defeated. This is like a classic stabbing, but also it stab by his own knife. Yeah, stab by his own knife, and then all the people just kind of leave him there, which is like really, yeah, re- yeah, just kind of a really good good touch where, yeah, because both if you've never seen Gladiator on spoilers, both hero and villain die by the end of it, but. Uh, Russell Crowe is carried out a uh, soldier of Rome and honored and the and the literal emperor is just left there kind of yeah to to die also even though he is like dying and actively seeing his dead family he has enough like time to ask that they to, to ask that they make like political reforms and free all the gladiators and... <laughs> oh yeah yeah, no, just, like, a really good movie. This was, like, a really fun, like, setup of movies. Like, I I, I don't think... I think there's a good chunk of these. Like, I think Hollow Pen and Cell, I don't think I would have ever seen um, without this. I'm pretty sure I probably would have thrown on Gladiator at some point, or at least my friends would have. Um, yeah. No, I think... Um, yeah, I think we got a couple more weeks until we're back to seeing you know uh like muscly muscly almost shirtless guys with swords fighting when we cover 300 in a couple weeks all right i forgot that one's up there 
But yeah, no, this was a fun year, especially, like, as we enter the 2000s and the 10s, where a lot of the villains are a lot more, like, samey superhero stuff. This is kind of, like, a nice assortment of villains to sort of kick off the new millennium. Um, mm-hmm. Even if I disagree on one of them being a villain, but... <laughs> and I agree with you disagreeing. It's not like you're alone on that. And I yeah. agree. <laughs> yeah, it's not like I'm all off by myself on my tiptoes at the top of Mount Crumpet. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the time has come to rank. The Who's Down in Whoville liked the Grinch 2000 a lot, but the Kenny up on Mount Crumpet did not. Did not. (laughs) Um, Oh yeah, that's another another thing, I guess, like going into like, before as we transition into movie rankings, is I really do just love that story. Um, At the at the summer camp Ben and I worked at, we almost always had a Christmas day, and there is there is always, like, kind of a section at the beginning where someone, typically a program member like Ben, would read a book to kids, and I would always, like, strong-arm my way to, like, just read The Grinch on Christmas. Like, I literally bought a copy. I'm, I, can, I can recite, like, the opening lines from memory, so it is just me being way too into, like, The Grinch, the book, and you know, maybe nothing will ever, like, satisfy me as much as that book in the original animated special, which is... You mean when it comes to the Grinch or just in general? Um, yeah, I mean, when it comes... Yeah, I do hold the Grinch weirdly sacred, but yeah, mostly when it comes to the Grinch. Um, But hey, movie rankings, who wants to start? Uh, okay, I'll go first. So, uh, last time, uh, I kind of messed up the order, uh, so, well, I'll do this time, just make sure everything... Uh, goes well, I'll put it in the hands of the host. So what I'm going to do is, uh, so there's five numbers in the ordering. You're going to take turns uh, telling me what place to read. (laughs) Did you go, like, is one the best? One is the best, five is the worst. Cool, start with five. Okay, are we doing villain or movie? A movie. Okay, uh, so movie, uh, the worst is Hollow Man. Okay, Ben, your turn. Yeah, I think um, at the bottom of my movie list... Uh, no, you have to, like, no, tell, I, you I, a number. Your turn to tell oh, me a number. Uh, <laughs> this, um, show me, tell me your second... Your two. Your two. Okay, uh, The Cell. Kenny, your turn. Um, three. Gladiator. Ben, right, your turn. Your three again. <laughs> Gladiator. <laughs> Uh, Kenny, your turn. Four. <laughs> Hannibal. Uh, ben, w your turn. Number one. <laughs> How the Grinch Stole Christmas. <laughs> was a needlessly complicated bit, but I'm glad it happened. <laughs> We're gonna do it again in a bit, so don't worry. Great. Okay, Ben, go. Yeah, I think for my movies, um, spoilers from earlier, uh, I think, yeah, I do have um, Hannibal at the bottom. Um, I think above that one, um, I think I have Hollow Man. Um, I don't, it's not even that bad. I just really like the one, three above it. Um, I think smack dab in the middle, I do have, um, the Grinch. Um, it's, I, it's, it honestly, like, if Cat in the Hat is unironically one of my top, like, four, uh, four or five favorite movies, and, like, 80% of this movie, like, like, fits that vibe perfectly. Um, and then for my top two, I think I will have probably the cell beating out gladiator just cause like, 
gladiator is like very familiar and like the cell was just so like it was so unique and abstract and weird that like i just enjoyed it way more uh great yeah so for my bottom uh hannibal it's i'm glad like we didn't have to review it for the kiss but it's still weirdly boring um above that grinch maybe like i'm not gonna rule out that i will will dislike this forever like i came pretty close to liking it this time um but yeah it's it's all my thing um it's like completely just my weird uh my 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 weird like hill that uh, to die on um then above that um yeah hollow man um not much hype above that but yeah you know it's explosions creepy stuff and then yeah for then this is close i think i will have to go for like gladiator in my top spot just because again as as we said i was very entertained with the cell like a very close second um but how did the villain stack up okay ben you go first this time give me a number between Uh, one and five your number four Okay, uh, my number four is Jim Carrey as the Grinch and How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Kenny, your turn. All right, uh, number two. Uh, my number two is uh, Vincent D'Onofrio as Carl Rudolph Starger in The Cell. <laughs> um, if you had to pick a Phantom number six out of all the stuff that you watched that wasn't on the list. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, man. Uh, I'm not sure if this would be uh, number six. Uh, probably be higher than six, but uh, Tom Noonan in Manhunter, <laughs> uh, the very first Hannibal Lecter film. He's great in that. All right, Kenny, go. <laughs> um, cool. Um, yeah, number three. Uh, number three is Anthony Hopkins as Dr. Hannibal Lecter in Hannibal. Um, oh, jeez. Um, damn it. I don't know which ones you've done. I think... Uh, we have oh, one yeah. in okay, five, five left. Yeah, I what's think. your fifth one? Your 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 true bottom. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix as Commodus in Gladiator. Uh-huh. All right, number one. Kevin Bacon as Sebastian Kane in Hollow Man. It feels weird putting him at the top because like, I I don't like the film, but like, there's not really any like good villain competition. <laughs> like Vincent D'Onofrio would almost certainly be number one if there was more of him. Oh yeah. sure. Yeah, and uh, my villains, I think, I think shake up pretty, pretty similarly. I honestly, <laughs> I'm trying to remember which order your ours, yours are actually in, um, but I think at the bottom, um, I think I would have to have. Oh, it's really tough. I think I probably just want to put Hannibal there. I don't know how much of that is because the movie's boring versus how much of him is just not super interesting. Um, I feel like his like most interesting parts are sort of near the end where like most of the Italy stuff and like most of like the first, I want to say two thirds are sort of just implied sort of cool villainy. It's like, Oh, you know him, you know him. Um, and then above that, I think I would have, um, the cells Vincent, um, again, just really good. Just not a lot of them. Um, I think smack dab in the middle again, I would have like the Grinch. I think he's very fun. Um, not only is he fun, but I think like, it's like, I think villainy is maybe like the wrong word, but like his sort of just like, like 
slimy, like disgusted at everything, like uh, Grinchy demeanor is just like really, really fun to watch. And I think he does a really good job at that. And then for my top two, um, it's really, really tough, honestly. Um, uh, I think I would just have to put Kevin Bacon's Hollow Man just a little bit above Gladiator. Just, I think I would have to nail it down to maybe the performances, I think. Because I think, on one hand, I think Hollow Man has probably been the worst, like the deepest pit of my stomach I felt watching a villain. But um, Joaquin Phoenix's Gladiator is also like a really good foil. And I think the, the tiebreaker just has to be, I think Kevin Bacon is giving a little bit better of a performance than uh, Joaquin. Uh, yeah. So for mine, uh, number five, the Grinch on virtue of he is not the villain of the film. Um, though he, yes, is very memorable. And I understand why he was nominated, even if I'm still not sure how this translates to him winning. Um, then above that, Hannibal, like, yeah, Anthony Hopkins definitely just kind of phoning it in on this one. Um, then above that, The Cell. As Shane said, Vincent D'Onofrio was, like, great in this. He's just not in it enough. And then, yeah, mine shakes out pretty much like Ben, where I have, yeah, sort of Kevin Bacon above Joaquin Phoenix by virtue of, like, he's giving a better performance. And his, like... Yeah, Hollow Man's not very high up on my list, but he is genuinely, like, unsettling and creepy and villainous in a way that many of the villains that we talk about on the show are not. So, yeah, that is a a rare unanimous, like, all three of us going for Kevin Bacon. Um, Congrats, Kevin. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Are there any... Any more closing thoughts about any of the movies? I know, you, Shane, you did a whole lot of prep work. Is there anything that you just didn't have yeah. a chance to bring up um, that you really want to share the world? Uh, I'm, let me let me check uh, what I've watched in like the past month or so, because <laughs> there's simply like so much. Yeah. <laughs> I did, and I, it's not too much because it's like again, I didn't have a lot going on to begin with. But like, okay, let's see what we've got here. So. Have all the Hannibal stuff. We have Hollow Man 2. We have the Grinch musical, which Kenny mentioned. Uh, I did not rate on Letterboxd because I really just couldn't formulate a real opinion on it. I was just too disconnected at that point. Uh, probably not good. Um, what else? Uh, I watched The River Wild for Kevin Bacon. He's good in that. Uh, I don't like that movie uh people probably disagree with me i I know a lot of people like it and it's fine if you disagree with me anything else uh let's see you watched jim and andy the great beyond uh documentary about uh jim carrey uh just to get a better idea of how he does the performance and the answer is uh psychotically he is a crazy person uh i wonder uh how he behaved on the set of sonic i would really like to know a lot more about that uh, other than that, uh, I think I'm done here. Great. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're not fully done yet, because now we've come to recommendation of the week. So. Uh, so, 
Let's see. Uh, I want to recommend They Might Be Giants yet again. Uh, great band. Uh, listen to them. Stream They Might Be Giants for Clear Skin. I'd like to recommend uh, Pushing Daisies because I only just started watching it, but it's like uh, if you put every single thing I like into a pot and made it a TV show, it's got everything. It's got twee bullshit. It's got, hey, look, They Might Be Giants. It's got uh, Brian Fuller from Hannibal doing the show again. It's just a whole bunch of great stuff. There's musical numbers. It's perfect. Uh, but uh, anything else? Uh, I'm going to plug the drink Moxie again. I'm also going to plug uh, our friend's podcast, uh, Bevy of Bevies, uh, hosted by uh, Colin and Nina. Have Have they been on here at all? I think. Uh, no, has Colin, Colin been on. Colin's is booked for a couple weeks. He's actually going to. You get the bulk of, all oh, right, now we need to find new things to say about Spider-Man. And then Nina is coming on, I think, to talk 2010, whatever year The Hangover is on. They're both great. Uh, their podcast is great. It's a podcast called Bevy Bevies. It's about uh, drinks, beverages. Uh, I-, I wanted to do uh, an episode about Moxie, but I'm probably not going to be able to do an episode about Moxie on there. So uh, drink Moxie. <laughs> Think of me when you're drinking it. Order it from Maine. Uh, pay expensive shipping. I don't care what you have to do. Great. And I'm done. Yeah, cool. Uh, ben, what do you got? Uh, this week, I think uh, all I can really recommend is that you should um, peel yourself a good carrot and uh, and eat it. I had that <laughs> during the beginning of this. Um <laughs> It's just, it's good. Uh, honestly, I, I don't eat too many, though. Um, I saw a diagram once, so, you know, it's like, um, it's like the stomach, and it's like what, like, uh, like a certain amount of oil fills your stomach, and then, like, burgers, and then, like, lettuce and vegetables, and it's just supposed to say, like, vegetables fill you up faster. I don't, I think that's true, because I had four, like, full-sized carrots once, and my stomach hurt for, like, an entire night because it was so full. Um, so don't do that. Have like one or two and it should be good. I, yeah, I really wanted to recommend, um, heavy metal or heavy metal 2000, but I have not watched those yet. And I don't know if they're good at all, (laughs) but you could also recommend the podcast heavy metal, uh, featuring, I think Ethan's been on. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely recommend that podcast. I'm just not sure about the, (laughs) yeah, Scooby-Doo podcast. 1981 uh movie based off i think like a graphic novel i i know uh it's so it's a oh. magazine of like comics uh i know because uh an artist i like uh french artist mobius did a bunch of yeah. stuff for them yeah i think um yeah i think heavy metal 2000 was the first time i like i saw boobs on tv so that's why i've, I've kind of <laughs> trying to go back to watch this to see if it's anything <laughs> You're like finally, I can say again for the again. first time in several years. It's it's on. It's Heavy Metal 2000 is just on YouTube. Take you back to the magic yeah. of seeing breast for the first time. Yeah, God, I, I'm imagining like like they brought it out of the Disney Ball. Uh, narrator is doing a whimsical, magical voice describing heavy metal. <laughs> so that 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 might be my recommendation next week if it's if it's any good. Uh, great. Yeah, so for me, um, one of the many uh, point Grinch Dr. Seuss related points I didn't really make uh, when it comes to what I think makes 
successful Dr. Seuss adaptions is you kind of need to have something that is very thin that you can kind of just hang a bunch of Seussian stuff on. So in that spirit, my recommendation is Netflix's uh, wonderful Green Eggs and Ham show, which just had its second and presumably final season because Netflix animation is a hellscape, um, if you've read the news lately. Uh, but Oh, I haven't. I should look into that. Yeah, they want all their shows to be like the Boss Baby because that's what's successful to them. Oh, Christ. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, so Green Eggs and Ham... Um, the first season, which is like 13 episodes long and has a Rivers Cuomo pen theme song. And Boo. It, it, yeah, it takes. So basically, it takes a book that has almost no premise and then gives, gives it uh, Adam Devine is Sam I Am. Michael Douglas plays Guy Am I. And it becomes kind <laughs> of like a buddy road trip thing where they are kind of going to to like travel or they're transporting this exotic bird um in theory to get it away from poachers and back to its like environment but there's various twists and turns and each episode they encounter something from like the book like and then sam i am goes hey do you want to try green eggs and ham i bet they're pretty good with like a mouse or like with a fox or something there and it and it kind of builds to that and then the second season takes a completely different thing where it becomes kind of a spy thriller where it becomes about Sam I am finds his long lost mother Pam I am who is an international spy and they get caught up in the conflict of the butter battle book which of course oh is God. about the people who want like butter their toast like butter side up butter side down hell um, yeah it's really funny Keegan Michael Key is like the narrator and they do jokes where in the first episode someone has an invention that's like a narrator muter and so he's like oh wait and then he disappears and the next time you hear him he's grumbling about how he doesn't get paid enough or season two has multiple <laughs> things where different narrators come in and he gets like visibly mad about it like, <laughs> oh, that sounds really yeah, good I, the only thing I've seen from yeah, that show is like uh, the Les Mis parody um <laughs> yeah De, David, There's a lame Miz parody. David Diggs plays like the mouse, and it's him doing essentially like his Thomas Jefferson voice from no no Lafayette Lafayette yeah the French one his Lafayette voice as a mouse singing like basically basically being Jean Valjean singing about how like he stole a crumb of cheese to like feed his family and gets like arrested, <laughs> but then the whole joke is like he does this whole song and then it cuts back to like Sam I am who is like singing and he he just hears the squeaks he's like. Oh, he's like, I'm going to call you Squeaky. Like, he just cannot hear anything he says. <laughs> um, so yeah, watch the show. It's really good. It, I think, captures the Susian spirit well. It it has a lot of goofy touches, like everyone travels in cold air balloons. And just for no discernible reason. Uh, the voice cast also includes, like, it's season one has, like, Eddie Izzard. Season two has, like, Rita Marino. Um, and... <laughs> A similarity it has with the TV show Hannibal. <laughs> Season one has Eddie Izzard. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I forgot she was in that. Um, but yeah, so Green Eggs and Ham—that is like, I think the most I have my stamp of approval on a Doctor Seuss adaptation. Though I'm also a Seussical fan somehow. Um, which I think sometimes is how it has some good songs and was like pretty big for me as like a, a kid. But yeah, I'm a complex individual. Um, but. Anyways, Shane, it was great having you on. Um, 
it wound up not being three hours long, which was probably good for my health, but I still had a lot of fun talking to you, and... Yeah, I, I feel like I've let everyone down by not, like, ranting incessantly about every single film No, here. it's all good. You yeah. make up for that with biblical jokes, and we're all we're all here for it. <laughs> oh, speaking of that, I think it's happening now. Oh, oh my, okay, my arm's salt. It's it's crawling up my limbs. Uh, do oh, okay. your plugs we have to, we have while end you're... Soon. Do your plugs while you're doing this. <laughs> yeah, well, you turned to salt. Uh, okay, uh, so... Um, I, I'm on Letterboxd, uh, I'm at NerdyCanon, uh, I have a Twitter, uh, don't follow me there, you can if you want, but uh, don't, and uh, I think that's about it, uh, so until next time, there is a next time, goodbye! Um, oh no! It's, I don't know how to respond to this. Uh, ben, what do you got this week? Um, yeah, um, I have uh, my Twitter, that's at GAKGAK, uh, G-H-A-K-G-H-A-K, and then in the description I have my um, link tree, which has all my other links. Uh, yeah. And you can find me on Twitter at Like a Wolverine, you can find me on Letterboxd at Like a Wolverine, and yeah, that, that's about it for me, I think. Um, all that's left to do now is talk about what's coming up next week. So, for 2002 Best Villain, the nominees are Aaliyah, Queen of the Damned, Christopher Lee, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Rings, Tim Roth, Planet of the Apes, uh, Zong Zi. Uh, Rush Hour 2, I think that's I think that's it. And the winner, Denzel Washington, Training Day. Um, Ooh. Yeah. I don't think I've seen any of these movies. This will be it is a going to be a number week. wild. <laughs> You've never seen Lord of the Rings? I have not. Uh. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that was also me until like last year when I took a fantasy class and the person's like we're gonna read exactly one book and it's all the lord of the rings (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i cannot wait for uh 2002 yeah um it'll be good thanks again to shane sorry you turned into salt suddenly um and (laughs) yeah yeah keep passing that golden popcorn and you know, just remember. Um, let's try. Let's think. I'll, I'll cut out this part. Let's try and think of like a really good Seuss rhyme. Oh, okay. All right. Wait. All right. So something about popcorn. Something about passing it. Um. Popcorn, salt. Is there anything here? Shane <laughs> uh. turned into a pillar of salt and. Hey, none of the villain actors this week stand accused of assault. No, no, we can't do that. <laughs> Wait, no, that's not accurate. Uh, uh, I think that's good enough. <laughs> if I think it... That's not <laughs> true, though. Which one? I wasn't accused, but like Kevin Bacon definitely did assault. <laughs> oh, sure. Okay. Um, um, well, but the person or the character? Yeah. The oh, character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like I know you meant like people, but like yeah, just, the character it makes it not work. Just remember forty like forty three episodes, and we're still not great at ending the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, goodbye, goodbye everybody. everybody.
I'm salt. <laughs>